we're dealing with the maturing process of the believer. And it, it's very evident in Scripture that, you know, we're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I don't believe for one minute that when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit around being occupied boasting as to who I am and what I've done. When I look into the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to become very evident to me that it is very little of me and all of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think Scripture bears that out, and we'll get into that maybe a little bit later as, as the Lord leads. But we're, we're, there is a growing process, though. We do have to mature. The Lord Jesus Christ went to Nicodemus and he said, you must be born again. Well, that's an interesting concept because he's dealing with a very well-educated Pharisee. Uh, someone who could probably, uh, uh, from an intellectual standpoint, banter with the best of them, you know? And here, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, what I want you to do, Nicodemus, is I want you to can it all and start all over. Must have came as a bit of a shock. I mean, if he's going to uh, the woman at the well or... or are somebody of, of, of lowly state as far as their education, but here we have a Pharisee. No, start all over, he said. And so we start from that of being a babe. We start small. And we work our way to maturity. Or better stated, he works us. To maturity. And I think as we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in the final day, we're going to realize that it was His work in us that brought any kind of glory to His name. Well, Brother Malcolm basically went over the, the, uh, the uh, qualifications of an elder, the qualifications of a deacon, and he laid them out, and he showed in Scripture that these are not just qualifications for those who aspire to that of an elder, which is a good aspiration, by the way, uh, but they are for everyone. Apt to teach. Oh, well, I say, I, I, some of you can easily, well, I, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not a teacher. Well, you're, you're dealing with that individual in the workplace, and, and you're, you're, you're getting to stage two and three as far as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned. You know what you're going to get fired with next? Questions. All of a sudden, you're going to have to deal with issues. And, and well, you can say, oh, I, I, I'll have to go get my elder to deal with that. Huh? But it may not be convenient to do such a thing. You're going to have to dig. Oh, guess what? All of a sudden, you pull out that old hat, it's all dusty, and you, you knock the dust off and you stick it on your head. It's the hat of a teacher. You become a teacher. And we give an account. We give an account, don't we? And so all of those qualifications, both deacon and elder, they, are, they, they transfer over to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that person who takes the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then last week, our brother Dave got into some of the nuts and bolts of the whole thing, and he dealt with the aspect of holiness. That is being set apart. That this whole process is, is thwarted. It doesn't go any further if we're constantly mingling with the world. 
The Lord Jesus Christ said, you're in the world, but don't be of the world, you see. So you can stymie this process when the world begins to be a problem in your life. Schofield said it this way greatly. He said, there's a ship that, that, that glides beautifully on top of the water. It's a graceful thing, isn't it? But it's not so graceful when the water is in the ship, you see. And it's not very glorious and graceful when the water is seen in the ship of anyone who, who is blood-bought and redeemed by the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's some of the nuts and bolts. And now what I want to go into is some of the whys. Why enter into this process? You say, well, well everybody's in this process. Every, every blood-bought believer is in this process, right? I'm not so sure. I'm just not so sure. Because there could be a desire problem. In Colossians, Paul said it this way, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now listen to this next part. This always takes a knife and jams it in my heart. Set your affections, it says. Wow. Well, we may have to change our affections then. It may cause us to sit down and evaluate what's really important in our life. It's said by one preacher this way. He said, what is going to burn and what is going to go with me? To heaven. And if I've got too much time allotted to the burn part and not enough time allotted to the heaven part, I need to maybe make some alterations as far as my affections are concerned. So, so it boils down to our affections. You say, well, everybody's on that path. I'm not so sure. We can spend so much of our energy being caught up in all that there is around us and, and all the responsibilities and this and, and I, this and, and this. And, and, and meanwhile, Satan's sitting back and saying, wow, what could have been never will be because he was fooled. He was fooled into thinking that, that the importance of that was on such a scale that I had to give my all to it. And it stays and it burns, you see. I am convinced that there are blood-bought believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are not really going forward in this maturing process. Now, there, there may be slow matures, but there's still a progression that goes upward. There's fast matures. You see those individuals who just catch fire for the Lord and, and go forward and, and take seriously the Word of God and, and begin to manifest those things in their life for the glory of God. But I do believe there's individuals who have basically checked out of the process. They decided that's for him. That's for her. And they've checked out. It's too glorious. 
And I'd like to look this morning a little bit at the glories of our salvation. It's much too glorious to, to, to simply cast it off to the side and substitute in its place anything else. There's so many things. There's so many things. It could be a job. It could be a situation in your life that just seems to take precedent. And all of a sudden, what's great is cast off for maybe what's good. Maybe what's good. Maybe you can put your finger on that and say, what's wrong with that? That's good. And the Lord is holding up great. You say, but I have this. This is great. We may have to check our priorities. We may have to sit down and take evaluation of our life and, 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 and begin to, to settle in. And, 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 and if we decide to keep going in that same path, there's going to be frustration. Because what, what's basically happening by that is we're saying, my will be done on earth. And even when I get to heaven, no, it ain't going to be. Ain't no possible way. And we're casting off the will of God for our own will. Paul said it this way, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What, what is Paul saying? He's saying that this salvation is so grand in its scope, it's so wonderful in the way it takes a, a poor, vile sinner and, and brings them to the point where they have relationship with God again, that, that it should be everything. And we should take our bodies and, 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 and cast them as a living sacrifice. L let me tell you what, if this thing hurts a little bit, please, know it well, it hurts me too. Because what God does by the Holy Scriptures is He begins to get out that big fat chisel, you know? And He begins to knock off edge after edge after edge. And it's not very pleasant. It doesn't feel very good, the pounding of that hammer. Listen, if you, if you sit and you read the Word of God and, and you go through and, and, and you got this little fuzzy little feeling when you get done, oh man, I just feel so good. Well, then please tell me how you do that, because I can't do that. Every time I read the Scriptures, there ain't no fuzzy feeling. I become convicted. I lay my head down on my desk and I say, well, I've got, I'm far cry from this. I'm not even close. That's what the Scriptures do to us. They, they, they give us the, 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 the highest of, of aspirations to conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, pray without ceasing. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. If it exhorts you to do that, then we need to make an attempt to do that. And so everything pounds on us and, and begins to knock off those rough edges. Here's another reason. I am not academic. Now, I know a lot of you know that. 
say, well, this, this guy, he's, he's a mechanic, right? And so I was never very good in school. And so whenever they gave these tests, you know, the, the, the most dreaded thing, were, were, you know, were these tests because I, I just didn't know what I was doing, you know? And then pretty soon the clock would click down and the teacher would stand up there and she would say, stop, put your pencils down. Take your answer sheet and put it into the folder and then look up at me. Now I'm a teacher. Oh, my goodness. This guy. Yeah, I, I know. I, I laughed too. So did my father. What? what? You're a what? Because he knows very well. And now I proctor the FCAT. So when I say those words, stop, Put your pencils down, take your answers and fold it and put it inside and look up at me. Guess what? Time is over. Time is over, you see. The test has ended. I recently took an automotive test and, and they're not easy. They're <laughs> not easy. And I went through, and it was computer-driven. And up in the corner of the computer, it had the clock, you know? And, and I was down to, like, my last five questions. And I was analyzing. I was trying to figure out what they were thinking when they put this question on the paper. I was really, I only got five left. I figured, well, why not? I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make sure. And I analyzed, and I analyzed, and I, this and this and this. I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. I mean, I, I know a little bit about that, but... And all of a sudden, the, the screen went blank. And, and then there were words on the screen that said, thank you for participating. Yeah, I, did, I wasn't looking in the corner. I realized I, I had got so involved in trying to answer this stupid question that I wasn't looking in the corner. I didn't even get a chance to answer it. Automatic, hmm, miss, you know. Oh, I, I just, I, 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 I belted out a noise. The lady had to come in and say, what in the world's going on here? I said, uh, what happened here? <laughs> you timed out. Otherwise, the first time it was ever computer-driven, most of the time it's paper, and they don't give you a time limit. So, so I, I just, you know. But don't you realize? We're hanging between two eternities. We've got eternity past, and we've got eternity in the future. This little time slot is only just that. It's a time slot. And there's going to be a point when, when, when we're going to be told, put your pencils down. It's over. And we're going to be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing Him face to face. Test over. Test over. Test over. And then all those things that, that we thought were just so important, absolutely earth-shakingly important, we're going to realize that we went up and they stayed down. And that little daughter that, that, that wanted our attention, that wanted to spend time with us, she'll eventually go up. Oh, I was so busy with that project. 
I didn't take time. We will time out. This plan of salvation, Josh Key brought this to my attention a couple of worship meetings ago, and, 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 and we have the law. And you know, the law plays a vital part in our salvation. You say, well, oh, we're not under the law. Wait a second now, they're getting off here. But did the Lord Jesus Christ, when He came to the earth, He took the law and He said, oh, nope, wrap it up, throw it away. No, He didn't do that. Because the law plays a vital part in bringing us to the point where not only are we not so good a people that we're lawbreakers, that we put our will in the place of God's will. You know what the law really does? It tells us we're dead. Do you know you're dead? We died. That's why he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You see, the law has that place in convincing us that we are as dead as doornails and that all our righteousness is as filthy rags in His sight. It means nothing. It could not save. It could not save because it was inefficient. It was because the subjects in which it was dealing with were so, so flawed. And it was out to show us just how flawed we really were. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 3. It does play a part, you know, in this great salvation for which we consider this morning. 3 and 19 says this, Now we know what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For the law is the, is, is the knowledge. For in the law there is the knowledge of sin. And so there is a place in that it convinces us that we need the salvation that only the Lord Jesus Christ can provide. And you go down to verse 23 and it says, For all have sinned. For all have sinned. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Why then the law? Galatians says. It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of the mediator until the seed would until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made the seed that is the lord jesus christ and when he came to this earth, he didn't crumble up the law and throw it to the side. He said, give it to me. All his burdens 
and humanly speaking, its impossibilities, give them all to me. I'm not going to simply throw them off, cast them off. It's the holy law of God. I'm going to fulfill it. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He fulfilled the law. One time I was at field day, and I'll go through this very quickly. Field day was the uh, sort of the Olympics of grade school. And so since I was not very good academically, I did look forward to field day. Field day was a lot of fun. And there were all kinds of events. There was high jump. And, and I, you know, I, I jumped pretty good when I was a kid. So I, oh boy, you know, didn't shine very well in the classroom, but did pretty good over that cane pole when it came to the high jump, you know. One day when we were in field day, I remember it distinctly. Uh, we were wrapping things up. All the kids were going home, and there was a uh, lady in her car waiting to take her child home from field day. And uh, she looked like she was sleeping. And so we began to knock on the, the, the window. Boom, 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 boom. Knock on the window, knock on the window. Knock on the window. We just kept knocking on the window. Finally, they called the police, and, and the police came, and they began to make all kind of noise. And We thought she had died then. That's what the law does to us. It, it convinces us that, that, that we are dead. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in the book of Revelation, He stands at the door and He continually knocks. And there's no answer. There's a problem inside, isn't there? There's a desperate problem inside. Now if I knocked and I knocked and I knocked, I'd finally get to the point where I said, okay, hey, nobody's home. Just forget it. Who really cares? But the Lord continued to knock. And when mankind failed in, in keeping the law, especially as isolated down to this nation of Israel, who He used as an example, an illustration, of how inept we are in, in, in keeping this law, how failed we are, how faulty we are, how we enjoy following our own will and casting off the will of God. That, that's, what, that's what we really like to do. It shows us that, doesn't it? You would think that the Lord Jesus Christ's next step would be very simple. Well, if they don't want the law, forget them. Cast them off. Let them go. But He does something amazing. The law goes from the outside trying to reach man through to the inside. Grace goes from the inside and reaches man and brings him out. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, it, 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 it baffles me because I would not do this. It would not be my call in doing this. I would have been so frustrated with, the, with the, the rebellion of the nation of Israel that I would have simply said, forget them. Cast them off. But this salvation is so magnificent. 
It's so beautiful. It's so incredible that it should behoove us and beseech us to get on the growing process. This is what the Lord does. He says in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And with a dogged determination, he continues seeking after mankind. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. I think Dave might have referred to this last week. I'm not sure. But I want you to see this because I, I, I find this absolutely amazing that there is such love. There is such devotion to his creation that he would go to such lengths. He tried going from the outside in. And, and, and he could have just given up and cast us off. And yet he says, you know what? If they won't respond from the outside in, then I'm going to have to go inside there and find out what the problem is. And so the Lord Jesus Christ didn't just stand off to the side and say, well, th this is your last chance. Now, I'm going to watch, and if you obey, well, I may reconsider. But if you don't obey, well, I'm going to cast you into utter darkness. You know what his response was? He said, I've been knocking, 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 knocking on this door. Now I'm going to go in and find out what the problem is. And he decides to come and live inside of us. Allowing the power of the gospel to live out of us. And we had such a huge problem. We were so infested with ourselves that, that not only did the Son of God come and live in us, the Holy Spirit as well came and lived in us. The Word of God says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What a salvation! He decided to come in to find out what the problem was. And then begin to work the salvation out. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Wherefore, may beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. Now, I want you to get this clear here. There's, there's a lot of misunderstanding on this passage. God has already worked in. You can't work out something that isn't already in. The idea here is not that we're working for our salvation. We are working out what already existed inside of us. That's very important. Another point. Work out your salvation. We are masters at working out everyone else's around us. I can always see very clearly the problems. It's, it's like I have two sets of glasses or something. I can see all your problems, but the Bible doesn't say work out your neighbor's salvation. 
or your brother or your sister or where it says work out your own salvation. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, what's going to happen is this, is, is, is we tend to, while we're here on this earth, we tend to take a little too much to ourselves. Uh, we, we, we tend to, to think that, that we are the ones who, who are, are, are bending our will and, and making it align with the will of God. And, and we are the ones that are sanctifying ourselves or setting ourselves apart. We find out that it's, it's God, both the will and the do. What is our part in this then? Do we have any part in this? We allow it to be so. We give ourselves over. We allow our will to be bent in the way that it might conform to God the Father. We begin to give ourselves up, so to speak. Now, this isn't an easy process. This isn't easy for anyone in this room. These scriptures are very, very difficult because we've got all kinds of excuses and all kinds of other things that we can be involved in. And what it's saying basically is, is I don't want your will anymore. I want the Father's will to be done in your life. And so the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God go inside of us and they begin to work out of us what the salvation and the redemption plan is that is in us. What a glorious, glorious gospel. This whole process then flourishes in a selfless environment. Now here's where the knife gets real sharp. Because there isn't a person in this room that probably doesn't have a little too much emphasis on their own selves. And yet, what this scripture is basically saying, as we're going to get into in the first part of this chapter, is that we need to put off ourselves. And when we put off ourselves, he takes the seeds of growth and puts them into the bed. And when we put off ourselves, that ground becomes tremendously fertile for growth. But we may go all our lives and continually be absorbed with our own little world to the point where the ground is so hard it can't produce fruit. What he's saying is, Put off yourself, begin to allow my Father's will to deal in your life, my will to deal in your life, and thereby grow. What a salvation. What a plan. I want to remind you again. There's time. It sits as a sliver between two eternities. 
And all of this, when taken seriously, is going to cause us to get an abundant entrance into heaven. It's going to cause us to to take crowns that, that were given to us and give them back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that stuff that, that, that really you thought was so important, it really ain't going to matter no more. This stuff isn't easy. It isn't very comfortable. We go to verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom... Ye shine as lights in the world. How relevant are the scriptures? Oh, they were written so long ago, you know, that stuff really doesn't, it really isn't no relevance for me anymore. You know, I live in a very, very high technical world now and everything is, is really, uh, uh, we, we've just gotten a lot smarter than this. Well, here it says that it flourishes. God is going to cause it to flourish in a crooked and perverse nation among whom shine as lights. In other words, in that particular fertile ground of this world, we can shine. We can be effective. If we decide for ourselves that we want to be mature. We want to grow. We want to move forward. We want this maturing process to take place. Peter says, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do we want that? I question my desires. I think we all, as we we look at the Scriptures, we, we start to question our own desires. Do we really want that? Is there a real affection for that? Are we just pretty much consigning ourselves to this uh, mundane day-to-day world and, 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 and people that are doomed for hell can simply just pass by our presence and pass by our presence and pass by our presence and we really don't care! And yet within us is this light that's talked about and this glorious gospel that's referred to, we have within us the ability to make a difference. And God is asking us to get on the path of growth so that we can make a difference, you see. Or we can just carelessly roll along. What's our prime example? The beginning of chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. Can you believe that? Come on now. That's why they call this a mystery. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every thing of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as that person passes by on your daily routine, one day, they're going to have to give an account. Every knee shall bow. Why didn't you tell me? You had the words of life. Why didn't you tell me? Oh, I know I had ample opportunity. But why didn't you say something? And they pass by, one by one, by one by one. Even when the Holy Spirit of God begins to, to, to work on us and, and begins to, 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 to work through and convict us as far as saying something, we still, ah, they won't listen. No, they won't listen to you. You're right about that. But let the Holy Spirit speak. They might listen. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What a glorious, glorious salvation we have. I, I just want to show you one more thing in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, real quickly as we close. I want you to see something here that because we, it's really not all about us. <clears throat> it's all about the work that he's doing in us that we are allowing him to do in us. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Wow according as He had chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption as children. Now, I, I want you to see this concept because, you know, we can get into all election and all that, and, and, and all it does is draws me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would love me that much. But the basic concept is that when He called us, he called us his children. The little ones, you know. We didn't have the ability to do anything that might bring glory to him. We, we, we were just children. Knocking about, trying to find our, our place in life. And, and that's the way he called us. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners... You know, if I'm, if I'm out painting the house and, and my son comes to me and he says, Dad, hey, but all of us, six years old, you know, really got his feet under him. Dad, I want to paint with you. Oh, please. Oh. Please. 
And then you spend all your time trying to redo what they, what they did, if you even have grace enough to allow them to do it to begin with. That's what God saved us. When He saved us, we were but children. We were, we were helpless. We, we had no growth yet. That's when He took us. Before the foundations of the world were ever laid. What a grace. Then it says this in verse number 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption as children by Jesus Christ to Him according to His good pleasure. Now listen, this is what it says. To the praise of the glory of His grace. That's in regards to the Father. Verse 3 to 6. Now regards to the Son. Verse 7 through 12. Look at how it ends. That we should be to the praise of His glory. Then we have the Spirit. Verse 13 and 14. Look at how it ends. Unto the praise of His glory. That should motivate us. Because somehow, by this process, even though we're going to take very little credit, no credit at all, it's the work that He's doing in us, but our willingness to go forward in this process is going to be to the praise of His glory. What would it be if you had a local fellowship And in that local fellowship, every human being took seriously this mandate of Scripture. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But every human being said, I want to get on that train that leads me to maturity. Everyone. We'd have a full functioning body, wouldn't we? Full functioning. No fingers that weren't doing anything and kind of just laying there and getting in the way. Uh, no feet, no full functioning body. And this local fellowship could go into places that no other local fellowship has ever gone before. That's the challenge. Each person, it starts with you. Well, I mean, if, if they do it, if I can get this group over here to do it, Well, I'll follow along. You guys show me the way. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? Talks very individually, doesn't it? Let this mind be in that group of people. No, me and you. So each one of us must have a little personal revival. And when we have a little personal revival, it becomes a corporate revival. Start the work in me. Now I throw this exclaimer again. Joe gave us an exclaimer last night. I'm going to throw another exclaimer here. I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. This stuff cuts me up like a knife just as just the same way it cuts you up like a knife. I just I'm not there yet. It's difficult. I find that old will of mine keeps springing up, keeps rearing its ugly head time and time 
and time again. And when I think I've gotten to some uh, uh, plateau of satisfaction as far as my life with Christ is concerned, then there's this trial that gets thrown into me, like I was just talking about with Brother Pete. Something gets thrown at you and you say, well, I haven't seen that yet. Wow! That hit me like a ton of bricks. It does, you know. Because he's testing us. That we might be the same in the sunshine as we are in the rain. Help us to walk aright more by faith and less by sight. Our Father and our God, we do give you thanks that the Word of God does cut us up. It does do its perfect work in us. We just pray that the necessary adjustments would be made. That whatever it is that keeps us from following after the will of God and, 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 and hard on our own path would be changed. And we would be more like Christ, conforming to His image. That's, that's, a, that's a high, high calling. Help us. By the indwelling of the Spirit of God, by the indwelling of the Son of God, to walk in a way that might bring, bring glory to the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We just give you thanks now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.